Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a new book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and published by Harvest House Publishers is a resource that'll help you share your faith with Latter-day Saint friends and loved ones. Order your copy of Introducing Christianity to Mormons at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Derek Johnson, my colleague at MRM. But we also have with us this week a good friend of ours, Earl Erskine. Earl is a former LDS bishop who wrote a book titled Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church, A Cracked Foundation, A Surprising Discovery, and A Former Bishop's Pursuit of Truth. This book is what we call a testimony book, although the entire book is not dedicated to Earl's story, though it is certainly included and scattered throughout its pages, but you also give a good rendition of some of the history of the LDS Church as well as some of the unique doctrines of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You have a section towards the end, and I, and I don't want to get too far ahead of this, but I, I thought point number 27 you have on page 283. If you could, for our listeners, could you read those first three paragraphs? Here you are, folks, getting an audio version of the book. Earl Erskine is going to read from his book, <laughs> Fatal Flaws, but I think it's important to read this because I think you bring out an excellent analogy. This little section is a did you know, and there's 27 points of just things that really didn't represent a full book or a full chapter. But just little thoughts that I had. Anyway, this, this one struck me, and I thought it was very uh, informative. Have you ever come over the hill at night in southern Nevada and caught a view of the Las Vegas' dazzling display of neon lights in the distance? It can be quite captivating, even awe-inspiring. But then, have you gotten up in the morning to see the real Las Vegas, the littered streets, the world-weary workers stumbling home after working all night, the noise, the dust, the traffic? Looking back on my journey out of the LDS Church feels similar to that experience. When I was on the inside, I saw nothing but the pretty lights twinkling everywhere. But having come out, now I see the real thing in the harsh light of the day. Or maybe you've spent an evening at Disneyland with all its magical lights and laughter and festivities. It's hard to find litter there because it's swept up constantly, yet even there, when I began... Catching glimpses behind the vibrant exterior, I could see the facades, the metal scaffolding, employees and machines just going about their business. The magic suddenly evaporates and I could see the grease, the wear and tear of the rides, the cold hard metal and the maintenance crews scurrying about behind the scenes trying to keep things clean and working properly. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now reminds me of the glitter and the magic. And when you see it for what it really is, and of course, your eyes have to be open to that yeah. because we talk to many Latter-day Saints that probably would not understand that analogy. They're not uh -huh. where you are and uh -huh. not where many former Latter-day Saints have found them to be. Like we mentioned yesterday, you were not one of those members who was looking for a way out. You wanted to stay in the LDS Church. And, and wouldn't you say that that's probably the majority 
that eventually leave they they don't really I, I i don't i don't buy into this argument that i hear from a lot of faithful members that the people who leave are always looking for a way out would you agree with me on that or do you think i'm wrong in that area i guess it varies so much i have interviewed a lot of people over the years the former mormons and that have come to jesus and their stories are all different I think a lot of people have found their way out, but there are a lot of people that really don't care that much about the church when they find out. They're willing to go on to break the word of wisdom and not pay the tithing and have two Saturdays and all that kind of stuff. I would agree with you there because certainly I've seen that as well. Yeah. When when they used to have what they call the ex-Mormon convention here in Salt yeah. Lake City, remember, yeah. or, or the right. ex-Mormon conference right. in downtown Salt Lake City years ago, it was kind of disappointing to see uh, such a large group of people there who were... Well, they kind of reminded me like college kids, you know, <laughs> they, they, they got out from underneath the, the overlook of their yeah. parents. They have a credit card. And so let's, so let's, let's party. party. And so you're right. There certainly are going to be people like that, but you were not one. I of wasn't. Them. You were one not of those, one of them. No. You wanted to make this work. You were devastated to find out that Mormonism was not what you had been led to believe. So Earl, you write a book, Fatal Flaws. I want to find out what your motive is. And I think we can find out what your motive is in the dedication. You dedicate it to your wife, Carla, and this yeah. is what you wrote. I would also like to dedicate this to the people of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, whom I dearly love, and with whom I yearn to share the good news that has forever changed my life. Now, there are people listening to us who probably think you wrote this to get back at Mormons and to show them how wrong they are, but that isn't your intention was it no i don't have that kind of personality actually i mean i'm not i'm not praising myself at all but i don't don't really feel like i have a a desire to put anybody down i i really wanted people and this is what's so surprising when i said i had credibility the other day credibility as a bishop and, and all my life in the church and everybody that would ever know me knows i didn't ever break the word of wisdom or didn't do anything that was untoward you know for the church and so I thought, well, gosh, people are going to say, well, Earl, what'd you learn? You know, what'd you find out? Tell me about it. But boy, I brought stuff up and I got slammed down immediately. You know, it just wasn't any interest. Sounded like my Danish mission. But it was just funny that there was just a lack of, of interest and a lack of willingness to follow up. But I wanted to sh have them start thinking at least answer the questions themselves. Why did Joseph Smith change the Book of Mormon? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? You brought up in your book the philosophical principle called Occam's Razor. Would you explain what that is, and why did you bring this up in your book? Yeah, I know it's kind of a secular kind of a reference. Occam's Razor basically separates truth from, from lies. I mean, it, but it's more, it's more than that. It, if you hear a story, if it has to be so convoluted to, to, to be believed, then the, the more simple answer is usually the, the correct one. The most simplest answer is probably the most correct one. And so you use that principle in your search, starting in 2005 when you read Go the ahead. Book of Mormon, and you find out these other things. It's almost like Alice in Wonderland and going down that rabbit hole, finding out all these things, and the explanations that the church was giving you just wasn't sufficient for you. And so on page 15, you say something that I think is profound, because you said you give some credit to the LDS Church 
for you leaving Mormonism because, quote, it has always been a record-keeping church. Now, why would keeping records be a reason for someone to leave this church? Well, primarily the apologists, those that argue for the church and behalf of the church, have to come up with some pretty convoluted explanations for things. And we actually had this institute director come to our home for three weeks in a row to cover our, my three concerns of the Book of Mormon, First Vision, and Book of Abraham. And it was so convoluted, it just blasted Occam's razor right out of the water kind of thing. It was just, it was too complicated, and it was too uh, convoluted, and it wasn't simple. And so the more simple explanation was what I'd been learning, the, the things that really cracked the foundation so really, it's just a matter of uh, the simplest explanation tends to be the correct one. You said that one of your biggest regrets now was that you didn't share the things you were learning with your family so we could process them together. This is on page 26 of your book. If, if someone is listening to us right now and is a Latter-day Saint, but is finding out things that could be detrimental to their faith, how would you advise such a person to proceed? There probably isn't one answer for that, but maybe you could explain your thoughts. I don't think there's any easy way to tell somebody that they're, they're on the right, wrong path. And no matter how you say it, it's going to hurt and it's going to strike a chord one way or the other, and usually in the negative. And so I, I never shared this stuff with my family. And like I said in the book, if I had done so when I could be trusted as a Latter-day Saint, maybe I would have had better headway because I would have brought my family into it, My especially my two sons. I have four kids, three boys and a girl, and the two were two are kind of along with me in the Christian walk, and the other two are still very active LDS. And I just never shared these things with them until I left. And I wish I'd brought them along. Then they could have, we could have, hey, well, did you ever hear about this? You know, and they, they wouldn't have felt like I had an ulterior motive. You know, it's just very difficult to ever bring anything up negative. You know, it's going to have a negative reaction. But you mentioned that your wife, Carla, since there was something quote-unquote wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'm assuming that you did share some of these things with her before well, we you did. ultimately left the church. We listened to some podcasts. She was influenced by Adam's Road. Anyway, she was influenced by that, and I had her listening to things. The biggest thing, we started reading John. We started reading John, and we'd just sit at the kitchen table crying. We read things that we had never read before. And I'd read the New Testament a number of times, and I never saw those things. But I was always looking at through the Mormon LDS filter. I wasn't seeing Jesus as God. He was my elder brother. He was, yeah, he died for me and, and all that. But he just wasn't as significant. He wasn't God. And, and I didn't know anything about grace. I had no concept of that, so... So it wasn't just finding out that Mormonism was wrong, but you are looking for what is truth. You're looking for a replacement. Yeah. Would you recommend those Latter-day Saints who might be listening to us right now, reading the Bible as the Adams Road always stressed, read the Bible as a little child? Is that a good way to Absolutely. find out Jesus? Absolutely. I'd, I'd begin with John and and then try to try to get some supplementary material, I suppose, but Try to understand Romans and Hebrews and stuff. The, the scriptures are just so 
plane of what, what Paul wrote. And again, I mentioned earlier about Jesus, what he said and what he didn't say in the Red Letter Bible, but I, I went through the letters of Paul to see what he said and what he didn't say. And the same thing. He didn't talk about the gospel of Joseph Smith, I call it that, but, uh, you know, the, the families are forever kind of stuff and, and all the different things that the church teaches. So it was fascinating to see what, what wasn't in the Bible, but what also was. And again, I didn't know grace and that whole concept uh, of dying on the cross and what that means to me now. So different. Now, a Latter-day Saint listening would say, but, but, but Earl, we, we do have a doctrine of grace. And of course, they do. They have a doctrine of grace, but it's not the grace that you find in the New Testament. No. It's that kind of grace that after you do all the things you're supposed to do, then yeah. you get all the benefits, such as the forgiveness of your sins and ultimate well, entry I, into the celestial kingdom. I always laughed at that because, I, I well, how, how, far does it, how far down does his hand go? I mean, how much do I have to do? How much is he willing to pick up the slack right. from what I I didn't do and what I did do. And yeah, I did not understand the concept of grace. Earl Erskine, he's a former LDS bishop. He's written a book called Fatal Flaws of the LDS Church. If you'd like to get a copy of this book, and I would strongly encourage you to do so, you can get a copy by going to the website, www.mscbc.org. That's mscbc.org, or it is available on Amazon.com, and tomorrow we're going to continue our conversation with Earl Erskine. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.